Scream. Hey everyone, it's Millie. It's <laughs> Welcome okay, back to it's... another week of yeah. Change by Degrees. Um, can hear you Gabby now, yeah. can't hear anything. I'm so, so sorry. I hope that I balance out the levels enough. I feel like I'm screaming. My voice will be gone. <laughs> I can hear you now. By the end That's... of uh, this episode. I'm so sorry. And but... I probably sound more annoying than usual. But <laughs> I, I'm sick and I cannot hear it anything of course out of the ear that is closest to millie <laughs> so we we've, we've started recording like three times and every time i've been like i can't, I can't hear, hear you, you. <laughs> talk louder so i hope that it doesn't seem like i'm screaming but if so we just both apologize um what i was trying to say uh-huh. like two tries ago is that it's the second day of fall and it actually feels like fall it's cold all of a sudden hell. all of a sudden like last night it was chilly and then i woke up this morning and it was still chilly I know that she's not happy, no. but uh, it's just a, one of those things. And what better way to get into the fall uh, cozy season than reading a new book? Although this is like not a happy book, but it was uh-huh. a good book, but it's a good book. And you probably have seen, I don't know, interviews, um, articles about this book, Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died, which I would, the only reason I have a copy of this is because I thought that Gabby wasn't going to get one from where she ordered, which was what? Barnes and Noble? Well, I ordered it. Well, no, I ordered it from Books a Million and they were like, oh, Oh, we've received your order. And then the next day they were like, we don't have that. And I was like, okay. So they sent me like a 10% off coupon for like the next thing I order. And I was like, I probably won't use this, but okay. Uh, So I found this on a shady website because it sold out everywhere. And then I got it. And then Gabby told me she had her thing from BAM. And I looked at it and I was like, hmm, maybe I might as well read it. And then I started reading it and I said, why don't we do an episode on it? Yep, and that's here how we it are. happened. Look at that. This wasn't <clears throat> planned, but sometimes you just got to do it. Yep. D and D on so that my email is. Not... You did the exact same thing last episode. Did I? I'm you so were like, sorry, oh, let me put my D. I meant to do it before we started, <laughs> and then you couldn't hear me. So <sighs> yeah. who messed things up? Honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even from initial, like the initial conversation we had about it, um, I thought the first few chapters were like super engaging, and it's still. Towards the end of the book, it gets like heavier and heavier, of course. I mean, it's still hard to read certain sections because it follows kind of her childhood and then her teenage years, young adulthood uh, until now, kind of. Um, but I still found it an easy read. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like fast paced. Fa- yeah, fast paced. <clears throat> um, and I really appreciate it. And one of the first things I brought up to Gabby was that the way that she chose to write the book from her perspective, but her perspective as a kid, or as you said, mm-hmm. like a, a four-year-old, uh, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and the way she speaks is from that perspective, I just thought was unique. At least I hadn't read a book with, which had done that before, and then it changed so drastically, because you can tell, like mm-hmm. her language changes, mm-hmm. her attitude changes, the way she perceived the perceives the world changes. And I just thought that was so interesting because it kind of makes you think about the way you perceive the world as a kid. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of like my just introductory thing because that's towards the beginning of the book. But initial thoughts, like you're the one who wanted to like write an article on it. And, I did. And you watched, I didn't, disclaimer, I didn't watch iCarly. iCarly defines my middle school years as I think I a lot of people. People, that like are not iCarly me. was, that it was the show. Like that was the show. I remember coming home from school like every day at 4 p.m. iCarly would be on. Okay. And then, like, if there was a new episode the night before, I don't remember when they would do new episodes, like, what day of the week. But the next day at school, you better have watched it because everyone's going to oh. be talking about it. Um, but I Carly, well, because 
like Drake and Josh. I remember was, seeing a little bit. Of Drake oh my and god, Josh. one of my favorite shows growing up. Even my parents, like they would they would catch episodes and they'd be cracking up. Me and my mom, we still laugh That's at so Drake funny, and really? Josh scenes. Oh my god, <laughs> it's like the funniest show. I was watching on. Um, well, it used to be some of the episodes. I don't know if they still are. It used to be on Hulu, but now that Paramount is the thing, I don't know if they're still there. But because um, I don't have Paramount, but I'm about to get it because I want to watch all my like Nickelodeon shows. But um, but yeah, so because like Drake and Josh was such a big show, and then when Drake and Josh ended, and <clears throat> um, Miranda Cosgrove, who played Megan, mm-hmm. was cast as Carly for iCarly, it was kind of like it was an easy like fan base transfer right. over to a, a new a, type of like a, know, yeah, a new show. show or whatever and um so yeah i don't even remember when iCarly premiered i i know i was maybe like fifth or sixth grade maybe i don't know but um but i loved iCarly as like most of my friends did most of like everyone knew iCarly like that was like the show to watch or whatever in middle school um so everyone knew Jeanette McCurdy because she played Sam and like mm. she was like the quirky like friend on iCarly and um while Carly was like the very like logical and kind of straight I don't know person on the show mm. Sam was like her best friend but was more Heavy. rough around the edges and like she was funny and um and so yeah I don't know it was just one of those things that uh, it was just a show that I that everyone just loved so much mm. so when this book was coming out um, everyone on Twitter was kind of talking about it because everybody knows Jeanette McCurdy. Everyone was right. like, wow, look at this. And I remember when the title was first released back in like March or April of this year and people were like, oh, Jeanette McCurdy. Because like, everyone like knew that she kind of <laughs> dropped out of, not dropped out, but stopped acting right. and stuff because the iCarly reboot came out like a few years ago and everyone was watching that. And I had a Paramount <laughs> um, subscription for like a week so I could watch all the iCarly uh, <laughs> reboot episodes. And I have not watched season two, so I don't spoil anything. Um, I need to like make a new account and then delete it after the free trial ends. Um, <laughs> but so I can watch iCarly season two. So don't spoil it. But um, but yeah, so everyone knew that Jeanette McCurdy wasn't part of the reboot. And people were like, I wonder why she's not doing it. Why is Jeanette McCurdy not going to be Sam again on the iCarly reboot? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then this book came mm-hmm. or the um, title was released or whatever. And so everyone was like, ooh, some tea. <laughs> and then the book came out in... Well, a few weeks ago, maybe end of August, beginning of September. Yeah, we're not too late to it. Yeah, no. And and so then people start talking about it. And it's kind of not not in a way that's like bad at all. But it's kind of ruined iCarly for me Mm. because I look back and I'm like, well, I've enjoyed and I did enjoy it. Like I've seen every episode of iCarly because, you know, um, enjoyed watching the show so much as a middle schooler and even into high school. because everyone had to watch the last episode of iCarly. And I think I was well into high school when that aired. And I was like, well, of course. Like, you have to watch it. Like, it's the final episode of the whole show. And it was a whole event. And everyone, all my friends watched it. And we talked about it at school the next day, whatever. But while all that was going on and we were enjoying it, just knowing, like, reading this book right. now and looking back and realizing that Jeanette McCurdy was so miserable throughout the entire thing, it's kind of like what well, I don't really want to watch. <laughs> I cry, Like, I can watch the reboot, but mm-hmm. watching iCarly, like, the original show. And to know that one And just actors. watching her and just being like, wow, she was not only miserable, but abused mm-hmm. through the whole process by her mother as well as by producers and mm-hmm. the person who she calls the creator, which yeah, everyone right. knows is Dan Schneider. Um, Drag. Because yeah, allegations tried, but... have come across, uh, come up against him in recent years. So, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows who it is, but... 
Um, but yeah, so it's just kind of like, oh, it kind of ruins the show for me, but not mm-hmm. in a blamey way, like, oh, I wish I didn't know this, but just kind of in a way that's like, well, that's, you know. Well, I'm not going to support that. Like, I don't yeah, want it's to. Yeah, it's like, well, I don't want to going back and, that- yeah, watching it, it's just like, you that's all you're going to be thinking about mm-hmm. um, is her experience on the show and uh, what she was going through at the time. Um, so, yeah, but definitely that sucks <laughs> that, you know, she made so many people laugh and she was just miserable, which isn't unusual for actors and actresses. I mm-hmm. know that. But, um, I mean, like, you know, look at Robin Williams. He made people laugh all the time and he ended up killing himself. So it's just kind of one of those things that you're like, well, you can, you never know, you, know, you never know. But, um, but yeah, so it's just, yeah, it was a really good book. It was, I, that was, I think that was like the first book this year. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but go look at my Goodreads. <laughs> it's September. That I, The first book this year that I gave five stars to on Goodreads. Oh, wow. It might be. I don't know. I, I would have to go back and look at it. should be lying, but yeah, I mean, we're like. Out of the 20 some books I've read so far this year, that one I definitely gave like, five stars to, but. um. No, and again, I'm not as much of an avid reader as Gabby is, but it was uh, engaging and super insightful, and it kind of takes you on a journey yourself, like while you read it, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, I have the perspective of somebody who unfortunately didn't have to go to like school building the next day mm-hmm. and know the episode, but I still <laughs> really related to it, even though I hadn't watched iCarly mm-hmm. and I could still, you know, um, sympathize with her. So yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was um, just one of those things that also, I'm not a big, I don't read a lot of memoirs. I don't know. I just. I mean, would you qualify this as a? Well, I, mean, I, I would qualify yeah. it as I don't know memoir, but I would qualify it as a autobiography, mm-hmm. which I don't read tons of. I, I doesn't um, read as one in a sentence, but yeah. I'm just talking be. about her life, so mm-hmm. it's got to be autobiography. I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, um, it's a nonfiction book. I don't read tons of nonfiction books that are about people's lives. Maybe I should say that. They're talking about their own lives or whatever. I know a lot of actors and actresses write mm-hmm. autobiographies toward the end of their life or maybe toward the end of their acting career. I know Matthew McConaughey came out with one a few years ago. Um, and I don't know. I just, I'm not a big, just because when I'm reading something, if it's going to be nonfiction, it's probably going to be like a true crime or it's going to be um, on a certain subject. Like right now I'm reading a nonfiction book that's on, that anyway, it, I don't have to talk about it, but um, it's on the life of corpses, which is very interesting, by the way. It's called, what's it called? It's called Stiff. (laughs) And it's just, so it's, anyway, it's very interesting. Anyway, it's on the life of cadavers. (laughs) That's the kind of like nonfiction I read. I rarely read like nonfiction um, books that have to do with like people talking about their lives, but Mm. I picked this one up just because I know who Jeanette McCurdy is. And, but usually what I find with memoirs if I do read them is that they're extremely like um very complete in the sense that like you read it and the actor the actress or the celebrity whoever wrote it is talking about their life in a very past tense way um and then they don't really talk about what they're doing currently they're just kind of like and that was my life and here and yeah. yeah whereas I really felt with this book it was an extremely like incomplete kind of where Jeanette McCready was just writing this about her life because it was almost like her um need to do it part of her healing process and I don't know if that's how she looks at it but that's Mm -hmm. how I kind of perceived it and I could be totally wrong in saying that but it's just extremely like um like 
almost just therapeutic in the way she wrote it so mm. that at the end of the book, there's really no closure at all. It's not really mm. one of those things where you read a memoir and you're like, wow, I'm so glad I was able to read about this person's life. It was more of like you read it and you close it and you're like, oh, that kind of sucked. Like, you know, you're just kind of <laughs> with her in it that you're mm -hmm. like, there's really no, there's no, there's no closure. There's no big like, and that's what I learned. It's just kind of right. like she's still right. struggling with it. And she says toward the end of the book, several times that she's like, you know, I'm still struggling with, um, you know, relapsing with bulimia yeah. or um, she's still in therapy and she's mm -hmm. still, I mean, considering she wrote a memoir age, she's maybe like 28 mm -hmm. now, 29, I don't know how old she is, a few years older than me. Um, I, you know, it's kind of unusual for somebody who's in their 20s to be writing a memoir. Usually, you know. You're a little bit older. You're a little older <laughs> than that. So I just feel like she's just still very much in the middle of everything that she's mm. going through and it she hasn't exactly healed or anything from it yet. And right. she even says in one section, she's like, I know I'm a bitter person. Like, I'm bitter about this. And mm -hmm. that's that's where I'm at. And she was like, and I, I I feel guilty about saying that because, you know, a lot of people What's would saying, want yeah. my life because I'm famous and I'm an actress and I had all this money in my teen years and whatever. She was like, but I don't, you know, I hate that I had this life. And so, I don't know. I just feel like as she was writing, it just felt very, like she was still processing through things as opposed to reading, like, julie andrews memoir mm -hmm. which i have and her being like not that everything was like rosy and whatever right. but just a little bit more looking back and being like and that part of my life happened and this part of my life right. happened and here i am now a better person because of it whereas Jenna mccurdy is <laughs> like no my mom sucked and she ruined my childhood like yeah. you know so i don't know i just i really enjoyed that um like rawness of it mm -hmm. and i think it made she held nothing back um, which I also appreciated. Mm -hmm. There's really explicit parts, mm -hmm. and I appreciated it because it's real, mm -hmm. and it's what people go through, whether you're a girl or a boy or non-binary or whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can relate to it on any level. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I just I don't know where I was going with that. My mind is like, <laughs> it's the uh, sickness. It's the it's sickness. sickness. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope any of that made sense to No, someone. but I think that's an interesting point to bring up that, you know, you go through this whole journey, and you... You know, it, she talks about the boyfriend she's had, the the people she's met, how she didn't enjoy the acting process, um, how her mother's condition declines severely towards the end and how she still doesn't really change um, and how that relationship dynamic doesn't change. Um, and the book ends and it is sem semi like there's one chapter that's kind of ended because her mom does pass away. Um, but... I've watched a few of the interviews that she's done and specifically the one that she did with, um, it was a podcast actually with Whitney Cummings and she seemed to really enjoy it. She spoke about how it was like the most fun because rather than it being about the book specifically and trying to justify the mm -hmm. name of the title and Whitney's like, why don't you just read the book and you'll understand mm -hmm. and we'll just have a conversation outside of that um, where they talk a little bit more about if we are looking back at what happened in our past, like how can we... <clears throat> sounds bad this is not the way she phrased it but in a sense like make the most of it or what are the lessons tools that we can take with us um for example if Jeanette were to direct a movie or whatever what are the tools from her childhood mm -hmm. when it comes to being so aware about where someone is um mentally or what they want from you the way she was so hyper aware of mm -hmm. her mom she's like yeah that really sucked but now I can see that possibly as a director or working with other um, people in this capacity, it actually can serve me well, mm -hmm. you know, in a way, like a big 
I don't support my mom for doing this, yeah. but I'm going to try to yeah. make the most of it. Again, but it's kind of like, well, that's it. what happened. So that I yeah. guess this is what... Which, mean, again, like, that didn't come from the book, but if you... Yeah. Now that she did do a press tour for the mm-hmm. for this book and is starting to be a little bit more involved with that, I think she's taking it easy as she should and doing projects here and there. Um, she's spoken, at least I've seen her speak about a little bit of what happens after mm-hmm. the book. But yeah. Uh, in yeah. and of itself she really doesn't have a big revelation she still has tons of struggles yeah um, i mean i think i mean maybe the one revelation she had was that like which for the audience reading the book it's like well yeah duh but yeah but from, for her yeah. it's not which is which is the frustrating thing throughout the whole book and she writes it because in the way she writes <clears throat> she knows it's frustrating for the reader and the way she writes it i mean is She's making it frustrating for you yeah. because you're reading it and you're like, what? Uh, like, why are you? You're an adult mm-hmm. and you're still thinking this. But it's like, yeah, like, yeah, because mm-hmm. that's what happens with abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you when you grow up with it and, you know, you can kind of make the excuse and be like, well, she didn't know she was a child. But then when she gets into her adult years and she's still making excuses for her mother, or she's still dealing with um, like the fallout of her mo- her mother's abuse. It's kind of like you're reading it and you're like, Jeanette, you're in your 20s and you're still not seeing that this was abuse. Mm-hmm. But it, so it's frustrating for the reader. But for Jeanette, she's, she writes it in a way that she's just like, well, how could I have seen? This is all I've known. Like, you right. know. Um, but yeah, it's I feel like the one revelation she had was that was saying that like, oh, yeah, my mom was abusive. Which for the reader is not a big revelation because we knew that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But for her in the book, when she's writing it, it is a big revelation because not many people whether it's domestic abuse or mm-hmm. whatever are are really sometimes they never see that and which mm-hmm. is why like it's really frustrating when people are like oh well well why didn't you just leave and it's like well dude like well there's a lot of reasons why people don't leave mm-hmm. whether it be a male being abused or a female being abused it can go both ways but like um but they would they take beatings and they continue to take beatings and then they continue to make excuses and whatever and you get frustrated and you're like why don't they why doesn't this person just leave like just pack up and leave right but it's like not that simple um and especially when it's like this weird dynamic with a mother and a daughter which is mm-hmm. like really interesting to me but um and not in a good way in a bad way interesting in a in a morbid curiosity way i guess not in a like ooh fascinating let's talk <laughs> like kind of like ooh right, that's right. kind of cool no not, not like that but um but yeah, so I don't know. I just so I feel like that was the revelation. Maybe was that she was able to admit that her mother was abusive and ruined her life, um, which some people again, like you said, never get to. Which so, they never get to. So know. like it's a revelation for her, and and as the reader, like you're glad to see that that's almost like the first step is mm-hmm. she acknowledges it. Um, and it's good you bring it up because I'm like the part of the reason of why she gets there. I mean, she starts to get there a little bit as her mom's like about to pass away or in the hospital. Um, but you could even bring up the question when you talk about domestic abuse, mm-hmm. like if her mom was still alive. Well, she had that, said. She even kind of admits to that. Because someone that, had, I don't remember what interview it was, but <clears throat> someone had asked her, like, if your mom was still alive, what would she think of this book? And it obviously would be titled something different because her mom would still be alive. But if, if you went public with your mother's abuse and she was alive at the time, what would she have said? And Jeanette kind of was like, well, I wouldn't have written the book if she was still alive because I wouldn't have come to the realization while she was alive that she was abusive she had to die in order for her to see that like oh yeah my mom was a horrible person like she sucked that's putting it lightly and it also was really frustrating for me too that people were like when this book when the title came out 
and not even the book itself people were like oh that's kind of like an off-putting title and i'm like dude who are you to say first of all about anyone's experience um about i mean so 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 she's glad her mom died that doesn't that doesn't affect me in any way like if she she's happy her mom died then like i don't care i don't know her Mm. mom she does so obviously like you know that's not and I don't know. So that was really frustrating for me that people were like, and then they had to be like, oh, well, I read the book. Now I understand. And it's like, well, yeah, you shouldn't have to really. understand it. You sh- you shouldn't have to understand it at all. Because just because you don't understand it doesn't negate the fact that she's glad her her mom is dead. Right. Like, I don't know. So that was really <laughs> You're frustrating You're not believing it change reality. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's, and telling her that and being like, oh, that's a really harsh title. It's kind of like, well, first of all, I think she knows that. And mm. second of all, she I don't think she's putting it lightly at all, even though it is a funny title um, in a really dark way that but i don't think she's saying it like out of like out of in in any light Mm -mm. way or anything like that but um but yeah so i that was another frustrating thing for me i'm like you know there's a lot of books titled a lot of weird things and you know if it's not your cup of tea then don't read it but if you're if you're not going to read it you have no space to talk about it because you didn't read it that's the other frustrating thing for me too is when people start talking about stuff and I'm like, but you didn't read the book or you didn't watch the movie or you don't right. know the show. So really your argument is completely invalid. You don't know what you're talking about because <laughs> you didn't read about it. this before. Well, yeah. Like a myriad of things where people I'm like, what are you talking to about? write, which yes, of like a review on a series or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you haven't even like, you don't even know. I'm like, you've read, about. you've read if seven articles. Source is like third party. Mm-hmm. How, what like of your own perspective do you have to give to the i'm like so you read seven articles that someone about. else wrote about the show but you didn't watch it so what are you talking about <laughs> like that's not gonna hold up like you can't just choose like tertiary um sources, sources and then expect people to take you seriously like you're writing an article about an article that someone who who watched the sh- like doesn't even make any sense anyway to them it does thing. to them it does but um but anyway so that was the, kind of the same thing with the title of the book that i was like people were talking the book wasn't even out yet yeah people, people were, were like this is a, that is a horrible title and i'm like you don't even know what the book's about mm-hmm. all you know is that she's glad her mom died also yeah and like at the same time i'm like number one read it and to read it and three maybe be grateful that you could never have an experience in your life where you like, understand that sentiment. Dude, like, I'm glad her mom died too after reading this book. When her mom <laughs> finally dies in the book, it was like a relief. I was like, God, her mom was an awful person. And I felt bad. Like, I felt bad <clears throat> for her and her um, three brothers. Yeah. And her, well, not really her dad. Her dad was useless. Which she kind okay. of, <laughs> she she kind of said, well, her she dad, didn't. who's actually not really her biological dad, dad. but I mean, she kind of says, and that's one of those mysteries in, a in way. the book that I try to think about, and I'm like, I don't have to understand it. It's not really relevant to the book, but I'd be curious, like, why did that man stay there? Well, one, it I was think kind is- of, it was a bombshell I was not expecting, especially yeah. when you kind of line it up to how she reacted to Jeanette's first boyfriend. Like, oh, her in, mom, and yeah. when she was on vacation, and yeah. then she was getting her phone blown up, and I was like. That was like incredibly painful for me. Like I hated that, yeah, that for was, like, her. Really gross. But... I was like, <clears throat> and then to find out after that, it's not that she's just this like uber religious fake person, but she's done even worse, quote unquote, things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have no sim. Like you. Well, there's no there's no like, logic happening with people I know, like this. I know. There's just there's no logic. And you have like, to also come to that place. But she was obviously had obviously her mother had mental health severe mental health problems mm-hmm. that were probably undiagnosed mm-hmm. if they were diagnosed she didn't really pay any attention to them but um 
but yeah, it's just one of those things that is just like her mom's like calling her a slut and all this stuff and being really like saying really like nasty stuff. Really, really mean stuff that is not that's beyond even being like you're a slut, but just saying like really explicit, gross things that you probably shouldn't say to a family member, um, in general. But um but yeah, and then turning around and her and Jeanette finding out that her mother had an affair and that Jeanette herself is not even her father's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um or the father that was in her home when she grew up right. is not her biological father. Um but yeah, so it's just and then there's this weird bend of her family grew up more or she grew up Mormon mm-hmm. and so there's this religious bend and the purity culture that comes with that, mm-hmm. which purity culture so it's whole another thing. Um but but um yeah, so I don't know. It was the book, yeah, it was really wild and I appreciated it a lot. I appreciate authors who who do stuff like this because it's like it's so it's refreshing to read a book from mm-hmm. somebody who is putting it all out there. She literally her whole life, all her what you would consider dirty laundry, quote unquote, yeah. is out there and mm-hmm. I appreciate that cuz it's also she's also speaking to like my generation. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know. It's just really refreshing to see. And I really enjoyed this book a lot. I thought it was very good. And um, yeah, that wasn't a very complete thought. But <laughs> that's what I got. <laughs> no, it was super relatable. And I think that there was something to, to grasp from every section. And there's threads throughout the whole thing. Like, again, when it came to the <clears throat> relationships. And actually, when you talk about her growing up Mormon – it was interesting to me, again, even how she viewed church at mm-hmm. that time, like an escape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eye-opening there. And how that changes as she gets older. She really tries to go to church and like force her mother to be in a good enough mood to take him there. Um, and then I, I believe it was her third, one of her boyfriends, towards the end of the book, um, that then has, it really... <laughs> I was about to put the book down when I was reading this chapter mm-hmm. and I said, wait a minute, let me continue <laughs> when he thought he was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, was I'm like, and... why like her luck to surround herself with people who have such intense uh, mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. But and I was like, yeah, he's schizophrenic. Um, but before he has that mental break um, and he's talking about wanting to go back into church and she's like, okay, whatever. If it makes him happy, I love him so much. So I don't yeah. just go to church. And and he also wanted her to go to therapy. And she goes to this first therapist. And it was kind of interesting to me to see how her first therapist dealt with things in comparison mm-hmm. to the one then she ended up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she's still going to therapy with the same therapist uh, that she was at the end of the book, her second therapist. But neither here nor there. Um, and he's like, so we're going to go to church and we're going to go, you're going to go to therapy to treat your bulimia. Um, and she eventually admits that she doesn't want to go to church or she doesn't want to do that. She quit therapy. Sorry, that she quit mm-hmm. therapy. She admits that she quits therapy with her first therapist, and he tells her, "Oh yeah, well it's okay. You know, if you have Jesus, you don't need therapy." Right. And I was like, "Okay." Which is what that's is so pretty false. accurate when, but that people say. <laughs> oh yes, like I'm like, it, it just was that much more painful because I'm like, yes, like unfortunately, lots of people like believe this to this day, <laughs> so it just. I don't know. And then I was like, on to the next chapter. I just couldn't stop reading from there mm-hmm. because it was such a, like, so many changes at the same time um, as her condition got worse and her trying to manage 
some you know her boyfriend's condition it's just it's difficult and i think people mm-hmm. can relate to that like if you have something personally going on but you have some, somebody in your family or a friend who's really struggling you can't even deal with your own mm-hmm. stuff because you're just trying to manage their emotions mm-hmm. and uh, which, emotional like, health and i'm like which she was doing with her mom for all of her childhood yeah so, which is like such a break. bs because it's like you're not you're and that's what really like messes me up about adults <laughs> i'm an mm. adult but first of all Dude, don't have kids. <laughs> don't have kids. I know that's easier said than done. But like, dude, use a condom. I don't know. Don't have kids. You put kids in like circumstances like this and it's so frustrating because it – and then you complain or you not complain about your kids, but you act in such a way that like makes it like your kid's fault right? that they were even born in the first place. Like with Jeanette, it's like – her mom put her in acting and stuff because I think that was her mom's dream and mm-hmm. so she kind of forced it on her kid which isn't unusual either for parents to do um but it's just so wild to me that I'm like her mom once again mental health issues but so quickly could turn on a dime and be like oh well you know you don't love me enough to do x y and z or you know but it's like dude your kid's job is not to love you like mm-hmm. your kid's job is to as a child first of all they don't have a job your your job is to love them unconditionally because you brought them into this world <laughs> they didn't you didn't get they didn't have a choice dude they were mm-hmm. born and they're gonna be selfish until the day you die like i'm so sorry they don't owe you anything kids don't owe parents things like i don't know i'm just like dude i'm like i'm such bs to me that like parents every day are like oh well my kid is my best friend no they're not no that, they're not yes, your best that friend language like was used a lot and her mother book. would say the same things Jeanette, like and Jeanette grew up thinking huge like, red flag oh like um yeah. you know i was my mom's best friend i was my mom's support well you shouldn't have been because your mother is literally an adult like and if she doesn't have friends her own age that's her problem also problematic <laughs> like that's her problem not yours like you're not like you don't owe anything to your mom you don't owe anything to your your parents at all like um, so it, that was just like wow to me because it's also mm. something that happens all the time. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, dude, don't have kids because you're bored. Like, don't have kids because you think you need, bring you closer you together a, to your partner like or a, whatever dude, it is. Yeah. Like, there's so many mistakes. I don't know. It's just I, sometimes <laughs> parents, and I'm not a parent, dude. I'm nowhere close to being a parent. But sometimes in my hubris, maybe I look at <laughs> people who are who are parents mm. and how they treat their kid in public and I'm like how do you treat your kid at home dude mm. like or like people post things and they're like oh like my mini me we're like best friends and I'm like no dude that's a two-year-old she's not your best friend and I hope you don't use that language around her as she's growing up because mm. that's gonna kind of like f with her mind dog like that's not your pet it's not your friend that's your child that you owe a lot to because you brought that thing in to the world yeah, like you're responsible like that's care, your child support, like love it's just wild to me. Like that part of the book really like pissed me off because I'm like, yeah, dude, like that's so gross. Like it's it's gross. It's weird. Like again, and that's that stuff people hear. And I think when you read the book and you might have not had a problem with it, now you'll realize that actually could be super problematic. It's extremely like, problematic. Like because you can see how Jeanette is like, and it takes her forever to realize, even as an adult. How that can still be problematic. Mm-hmm. Like if you become mm-hmm. an adult and you have a close relationship, like I have a close relationship with my parents, but they didn't raise me. I heard it all. If my mom's listening to this, she's probably cracking up because I heard <laughs> all the time growing up. Anytime me and my brother would get in trouble for something or they'd be yelling at us about mm-hmm. something, my 
my I remember my dad saying a lot, I'm not your friend. I'm not one of your little friends. We're not friends. And I'd be like, LOL. And in my mind, in my mind, I'd be like, I don't want to be your friend, dude. Are you right, kidding me? Right. But like now as an adult, I get why they were saying that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, this is not a friend, friend relationship. Like at the end of the day, we can, you know, we parent have fun, child. whatever, but parent I'm your parent. Child. Like, and so it's, it's a just different dynamic. It's just like it's not even setting boundaries. It's just mm. it's just a different relationship. Like it's I don't treat my friends like my parents. Why would I treat my parents like my friends? Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, so that part of the book was so frustrating for me. Every time her mom would talk to her like they were friends, when Jeanette is like ten years old, um, I don't know. It give giving Jeanette advice on calorie restrictions. Like I talking to her, talking to her as if they're friends, and I'm just giving my friends dieting adv advice because we're friends and that's what we do. If you want to lose weight, oh, I'll tell you how I've done it. It's like no, that's your child, and she should probably be gaining weight because she's growing, not trying to like lose weight, lose weight and, and not develop her and, body yeah. not like she normally would. And so that was really frustrating. Anyway, that was like mm. a whole tangent. But that part of the book is just really frustrating. It's like a really subtle thing. Mm -hmm. It's not even like the biggest thing that maybe you pick up on at first because you're looking at all the abuse she suffered in different ways. But that little like, we're friends. No, it's like the, the is very like, like just so like tiny. And it's but so- it's integral though. Yeah, it's the, so like increment, problem. but it, it's just an increment of, of just like at the tiniest molecule. But it's just one of those things that it's like the basis for a lot of the other problems that she has growing up and into her adulthood. Mm -hmm. That just really frustrates me, especially since you see it so much whether it be on social media, like people mm. don't try to hide it. People, that's what's right. wild is that they'll be like, oh, like my daughter's my, like we're best friends. I'm like, no, she's 12. That's not your best friend. Like <laughs> it's just something that I don't think people realize how psychologically abusive it is to Again, say to a 12 year old. not for you as a parent, but for their child. To say to a 12 year old as a 40 year old woman, oh, you're my best friend. That 12 year old's like, okay. What happens when you have to have a non-friend conversation? You know what I mean? Like it just. <clears throat> I don't know. It's just like that, poor. like. I, I don't feel know, it's poorly just, about it's it. just like really wild to me. That, anyway. And it becomes more problematic. For example, when Jeanette thought she was going to catch a break and feel a little bit of like the weight lifted off her living in her own apartment for once. And I knew, I knew it wasn't, again, I don't know her story. So it still shocked me, although I shouldn't have been shocked because then her mom moves in with her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and all she wants to do is get away. And it's kind of that she's at odds with herself because her childhood, her little her, and still her current her, is saying, you know, oh, my mom's my best friend. I have to take care of her. You know, she needs to be with me here, blah, blah, blah. What if her cancer gets worse and she feels guilty over that? And then there's this other part of her that's growing up and she's like, but I wish I could have distance. Like mm. if she was away from her mom, she would eat freely and mm -hmm. still feel guilty about that. But again, this whole, you, you like, you're ruining your your kid. They they don't know how to think or, or process how they feel about you because they're always at odds about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And she struggles with that more the, the older she gets, but she's still, because her mom is her friend, she never can get past that. Mm -hmm. Even if she might, when she's away from her, think otherwise. But she just, she can't get past that. Yeah. Like you can't create that distance. Yeah. The healthy distance, again, when, when, she, when you're 18, <clears throat> man, you're, making your own money or whatever it is you you she's always in the corner of her mind yeah yeah it was just like one of those things that i just like i don't know that's just like thing that i don't i don't know if it bothered me the most but it definitely bothered me well it's a the, lot. the thing you see the most i think yeah 
So that was really frustrating, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. I also didn't, I mean, like, obviously her her struggles with anorexia and then bulimia mm. and stuff like that were also really relatable, too, because I feel like a lot of people, mm. I don't know if you had friends like this growing up. I had, I had friends gr- growing up in dance, dance class, said, specifically, yeah. who were anorexic. And it was one of those things that we didn't we didn't look at it as like a um addiction or like a um like something they were addicted to doing in the same way you're addicted to like drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. or whatever um we just kind of looked at it as like not even a habit just like something they did like we would just we were like oh yeah, everyone knows about it but no you know whatever like oh they're anorexic we wouldn't even label it as like oh they're anorexic we would just say like oh like um melanie that's a fake name is you know she that's just something she does because it, it makes her feel in control like or whatever not even we didn't even have like a like a name we would just kind of make up excuses for like we knew it was like wrong not wrong we knew it was like a problem mm. but we would just be like oh well you know it helps her um perform better in dance class if she does this before class if she throws up and it was just something that but it's funny because even though we talked about it amongst ourselves like in our own little like dance mm. class or group we knew better than to tell a teacher about it because so we knew it was wrong we knew it was a problem but we acted like it wasn't but we knew enough to know that it was a problem that we knew if we told a teacher about it it'd become a big thing mm. so we knew to keep it on like the hush hush that it was something not necessarily shameful but something that like well it's just like her little it's like her thing it'd right. be like the same as being like oh well like she smokes cigarettes outside of school you know mm. outside the school building and that's you know what she does we're not gonna tell a teacher about it but everyone knows she does that like kind right. of thing and so like, especially in, like, you know, obviously with actors and actresses in the early 2000s, mm. being skinny was, as, as skinny as possible was, like, the thing. And even into, like, the 2010s. But um, now I feel like people don't really care anymore. But, well, they do, but they don't kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so that was another thing that I was like, yeah, I relate to this. Not that I was ever anorexic or right. I had a struggle with it at all, but I knew people who did that were not close to me, but I would see on like a weekly basis. Mm. And um, it was just one of those things that looking back, I'm like, yeah, man, that's like really messed up. And I hope, I don't know where they're at now, but I hope they're not still doing that. But because, you know, it becomes a habit, the same way as you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you don't even think about it. It's a lot of people with anorexia. Once you get it into your daily routine, it's like you just can't kick it. You just, you know, you just do it. And so, um, but I don't think I had anybody who was bulimic. That was a thing that I was like, man, I, I don't think I had any friends who were bulimic that I knew of, like, once again. They could have been doing that, and I didn't know. But um, but anorexia was, like, I hate to say a big trend <laughs> in, um, when I was, like, in middle school, but it was definitely something that I saw a lot, mm. uh, specifically with dancers. But mm. I think that's also, like, you know, kind of like acting. It's performative arts. You, yeah. like I, yeah, You want to look skinny. It. You want to look, like you know whatever so that was like you know you want you people say it, it's a, just a slippery slope of people being like oh well i want my costume to fit so that's what i'm gonna do, do to accomplish that and so or you know i well i want to look this way on stage or in the same way that you're gonna put makeup on right it's like stage a makeup to a problem it's you're gonna starve yourself or throw up everything you eat because you want to look a certain way so mm-hmm. i just think you know, it's one of those things that people didn't really think about it as like a bad thing per se. It was just something you did. Right. Um, 
anyway, yeah. So that was something that I was like, yeah, yeah. That you relate to. Yeah. And the way she described the both, because she started with her mom's diet culture yeah, uh, and anorexia, and she eventually became or struggled with bulimia. Um, but the way she described both was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I haven't struggled with it either, but it would be interesting to see somebody who has, mm-hmm. if, if they kind of relate to that mentality. Mm-hmm. And just to see how, again, when she went to an event, her whole thought process, I've never thought that way, mm-hmm. but it's sad, but interesting. And you're right that it becomes so routine. Like when she described the consequences of being bulimic, I never <laughs> imagined that. Like mm-hmm. when she was like, yeah, I've thrown, uh, like she throws up like yeah. two or three times a day um, or she would binge like, after not eating the whole day at 11 and throw up and be like, okay, great. I'm going to go to bed. I feel like mm-hmm. this is good. It's like I can eat as much as I want and there's no consequences to my eating. And she's like, oh, I guess my tooth fell out. Yeah, she and lost that was like, molar. Well, because, I mean, if you think I, about no, no, it, I get it. It's just, I never stomach acidity comes up and it just sits in your mouth. Even if you throw it all up or whatever, mm-hmm. there's probably still remnants of it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And if you do it multiple times a day, yeah, it's going to wear down your enamel. Mm-hmm. And like her throat was bleeding a lot because mm-hmm. – you know, if you think about it, if you just throw up one time, your throat's sore. But if you do it multiple times a day over the course of years, yeah, yeah, that's gonna be and like a problem. Out, just bleeding, and I'm just like, and how that can be so. Um, and the way she reacts to it, she was like, mm, "That's interesting." Mm-hmm. Or when again, her her then boyfriend found like, I guess like a little bit of like a throw up on mm-hmm. the toilet, and she was like, "Oh yeah, it's just you know." Uh-huh. It's just I a should, habit. It's just a habit. Like, once I, again, it's like your... or whatever. It's like, and, once again, it'd be the same as finding, like, an ashtray in someone's apartment and being like, oh, do you smoke? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 just like on a... You know, just a little bit. And like you're just kind of like... And you're like, your oh, apartment. okay. Yeah. That, okay. Like, you're just... What are you supposed yeah. to do with that? You're just like, right. okay, well, if they're making... You know, it's not a big deal with them. I guess it's fine, mm-hmm. you know? Someone else is nonchalant about something. It almost makes you feel stupid that you're mm-hmm. like making a big deal out of something that they don't even. But then at the same Think time, you're like, about. maybe you're too close to see that it's a big deal. But yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. The way, like, the worse she got, the less of a problem she thought she had. And I think that's the case with a lot of mm-hmm. these issues. But. Yeah, I just, I mean, I learned a lot. It was interesting to kind of think about <laughs> my own childhood and things like that. Um, it was really well written. Mm-hmm. And um, I just have an appreciation. Again, I didn't watch iCarly, but I had an appreciation for well, Jeanette. And- you should. <laughs> it was a great show. That's what's so sad. It was a, she was you have great. You watch the reboot. She was great. Yeah. I know. She, she's not in the re- reboot, mm-hmm. but um, which and is she good. she might be doing, she, she t- talked about <clears throat> in this uh, podcast again that you guys can uh, check out if you're interested, um, some other possible projects she's trying to pace herself um and not do too much at once but you don't know you might see Jeanette yeah but she did say it's funny because she did say in the book she was like I hate acting I hate yeah. it so I feel like it'd be more of like a director or a writing that's what role, she, that's but, what I meant more, yeah, yeah. more directing not her acting um, but but yeah because that's just wild that like she acted for I don't know like she was like decent several years and you know she's a great actress mm-hmm. and um she hated it the whole time she's like I hate doing this I just good at memorizing lines which most kids are so it makes it um easier i guess but uh to be an actress but yeah so anyway it was a really great book i really liked it a lot and i hope she writes more stuff because i really that really <laughs> hurt my heart when in the book she was she was writing um i don't remember i know i 
I don't have any bookmarks in my book anymore, but I know I like drew circles around it and underlined it. Mm. Um, Cause um, I wanted to use it in the article I'm writing. And I, there was a part where she, she wrote as a child, uh, like, you know, screenplay. She brought it to her mother and oh, her mom yes. was like, her mom was like, oh, well, she said, she said that she made really some comment like, upset. oh, well, it, she wrote, she read whatever Jeanette had written. And I think mm-hmm. Jeanette was maybe like 10 at this point. I don't know, like maybe a preteen or something. And her mom just kind of flippantly made the comment like, oh, well, that's kind of like the parent trap that's already been done. You know, kind of like, right. I'm like what her mom is kind of like, focus on your acting and not, not doing this. this writing thing. And it reminded me of a quote. I think it was, I think it's Toni Morrison, who said, "Or well, I think it's Toni Morrison. I could be completely wrong, but for some reason, Toni Morrison's coming to my head." Um, who who said like, "Yeah, it's been written or it's been said, but it hasn't been said by you." So I just was like, "So who cares if the Parent Trap's a movie, dude? They remade the Parent Trap with <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. So like, they remake it everything doesn't, all yeah. the time." And so that part was really like, and also way to like destroy your kids' like ambition. Yeah, it's like they actually enjoy. Yeah, I I just well because it didn't serve her mom. How's that going to serve her mom if she becomes a writer and not an actress? Yeah, but the way doesn't serve her. I'm gonna beat you up. You know what I mean? But But like that's yes, that is the thought process. Yeah, line of logic. But but yes, and she talks about how then she never showed her mom any writing again. And she was like, well, I guess I have to do acting. But anyway, I hope Jeanette now can write some stuff, direct some stuff. Yeah, her book she, was she really enjoys. fantastic. Yeah, I'm like, so. obviously can write, so. It was very good. It was very good. And I hope, yeah, I hope she writes. Maybe in 20 years she'll write another memoir and it'll be like, looking back on the book I wrote and blah, blah, blah. And I hope she's like, you know, at least somewhat happy. Um, her mom's dead, so that's good. Um, I'm glad her mom died too. <laughs> Screw her mom, dude. Her mom sucks. I'm glad she's dead. Um, um, and I'm glad that she realized that her mom was abusive mm-hmm. or starting to realize that, I think mm-hmm. is the thing. But um, And I think you don't, she doesn't even realize the implications of like what that even means for her. Like with her first therapist, it was trying to directly treat her uh, dieting. Um, but the second one kind of got a little bit more into like, oh, maybe you are grieving your mom. Maybe you are yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff that like she wasn't processing because you're dealing with other stuff. So yeah. you're right that maybe a memoir 20 years from now probably would have a very different tone and hopefully a lot happier things than at least the beginning of her life. But yeah, but I, uh, yeah, dude, glad her mom died too. Screw her mom. Right. Anyway, that's all I got to say about okay. that. <laughs> the um, ending note. I agree with Jeanette. uh, Jeanette, you didn't have to convince me. It's not your job to convince me, but you did. But I am. And uh, (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad your mom died too, sis. I'm glad she's dead, and she's in the ground rotting. Um. Yeah, that's all we got. That's all I got. (laughs) What else? You should. Any closing thoughts? Well, you should read this book. Yeah. That's. You should read this book. Okay, you should read this book. Um. And then like, go go watch the iCarly reboot because Jeanette's not in it. So, there's so don't no... watch iCarly. Just watch the, the reboot. Watch the reboot. Maybe I'll watch the reboot and let you know my thoughts for but the yeah, TV But you episode. haven't watched the original iCarly. You're going to be so oh, lost. Oh, I'm going to be confused. Well, you're, you're, Sometimes okay, do you even know like... iCarly? Like, do you know the premise of iCarly? No. You do. Okay. So you, right. All right. the reboot would kind of be lost on you a little bit. Okay. And maybe not. Maybe not. But like, you, anyway, it's fine. Um, I feel so dumb sometimes. No, I'm just like, just anyway, 
Miranda Cosgrove, I was very happy to, to learn and the rela- her, that the relationship was, was actually like pretty decent. It was great. I'm her glad. Her relationship with Miranda was great and that they still talk and that was really nice to know that there was at least, you know, one one co-star that she had that kept her grounded and feeling like, you know, she had a friend during her this abusive thing. years. But, um, but yeah, so that was nice. That was good. I'm so glad Miranda is a good person. Mm-hmm. And because sometimes, you know, you read about and you're like, oh, man, whatever. That person was horrible to them on set. But, oh, yeah. dude, when I was reading about her, like <clears> this <throat> Dane of Ariana Grande, I was like, wow, I can see. Yeah, but she did it in a really mature way. Yeah, she did. Way. Um, no, I didn't that's mean another to th- phrase it no, as no, no, like no, yeah, a, yeah. you know. Yeah, I don't think but, Jeanette, Jeanette doesn't hate Ariana Grande, mm-mm. but it was just one of those things that once again, she was just really real. Yeah, about how she felt when she was on. I never watched Sam and Cat. That religiously. I was watching, I watched Ariana Grande on Victorious, which was another one of like my favorite shows because it was actually like really freaking funny. Um, <laughs> and her on Victorious, she wasn't like my favorite character, but that's right. my, you know, whatever. Did you watch Victorious? I With Victoria Justice? Yes. Okay. Um, that was a funny show. Yes. And the, but when they did Sam and Cat, I, I didn't really watch Sam and Cat. But, um, but yes, that was. When her musical career starts taking off. And she hears, like, focus on me in the cab. And she's like, uh-huh, maybe I should focus on me. And I was like, wow, Jeanette. I yeah. Ache. So, I mean, that was really sad, too, that, anyway. This episode will be 5,000 more years long. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a really, there's, like, to- so much packed into it. I keep thinking of things. But it was a really great book. And you should read it and um, watch the reboot of iCarly. And maybe go back and watch some Victoria. Now I'm thinking of Victoria's, and I just want to watch. So you just need your Paramount account. Yeah. It's basically what we came to the conclusion of. I would get literally nothing done if I had Paramount. But that's okay, because I... <laughs> don't get well, you're it. sick, so you should watch some, some yeah. TV. Um, yep. Anyway. All right. That's all I got. Uh, follow us on Instagram at underscore change... Wait, that's right. Mm-hmm. Underscore change barriers. And our yeah. YouTube is change barriers podcast. Yeah. And... Um, that's it. I think so. Yeah, we don't really do anything else. Um, That's all I got. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I'm not going to do the outro again because she did it. And we'll see you next week Mm -hmm. with, uh, I don't remember because it's when we weren't planning this. Um, But yeah. Yeah. You should go read the book, basically. That's all this uh, episode was. It's a problem to read the book. Yep. All right. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Bye.